The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, thank you. Thank you that we can gather. Thank you that we can lift up your great name. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to show yourself powerful and um, bend our hearts uh, or bend our knees, but, but bend just our lives before you as we focus on you during this, this time as we look at your word. I pray in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I was having a good time. I know it's kind of cool to, you know, have the lights down so for the worship atmosphere, but, uh, but I, you know, I can't tell if anybody's singing with me or not. Well, that's probably good, so I just go and have a good time. The um, years that, the multitude of years that I have, uh, you know, worked in ministry as far as having people come to me with questions about God, uh, whether I was a, a teacher or whether I was a pastor, you know, there's a lot of different questions that people come with. And over the years, um, there's been a lot of good ones. I think when I was younger, I was afraid of the questions. I'd kind of be like, don't ask questions, just have faith. But as, a, as I grew and matured a little bit, hopefully I'm doing that, and uh, learning that uh, God can handle the questions. And uh, so most of the questions are good questions, and they're good to dig into, and they actually strengthen our faith. They don't weaken uh, when we look at it. But you know that old saying that there's no such thing as a dumb question? I really don't believe that. There are some stinking dumb questions out there. You know, that's nice to say. There's no such thing as a dumb question, but you can have one. One of them that, that people would come in with sometimes, they'd be all excited, you know, to come in and, and I got a question about God. Can God, maybe you've heard this before, can God make a rock that is bigger than what he can move? <laughs> because if he can, then he can't move and he can't do anything. And if he can't, then he can't do anything. And, and I would just have to say that if you spend a lot of time debating that and thinking about that, you need to get a life because that's just kind of a dumb question. I don't, I don't know how else to say that. However, for today, we're actually going to talk about something that God cannot do. Okay, so wait a minute, that sounds a little heretical, but there is something that the Bible says he cannot do. Uh, our big word on the board there is our, our theological word is immutable, but it is the simplified version of that is unchanging. Our God cannot change. Now, before we explore this, I want to take a quick survey, okay? Different people react differently to change, just even when you hear the word change. Uh, my mom was, I don't know if she's the most bored person in the world or whatever like that, but she loved change. We would go down and visit them in Texas for Christmas every other year as the kids were growing up. We'd stay here one year and do the whole uh, Christmas as a family thing, and one year we'd travel. Well, we, we'd go every other year. I don't think we ever hit the same house twice. They, you say, well, did his job move them? No, they were retired. <laughs> Mom just got bored. I need a new house uh, or a new apartment or something. They were always in a new place. Now, on the other hand, for all the years we've been married, we rented a little place when we first got married, and we've only owned two homes. I've only been part of two different ministries over all these years. So somehow, whatever that change gene is, I didn't get it. There's some areas where I really like change, but there's some areas where I'm not, uh, you know, doesn't go with that. So I want to take a quick survey. Now, nobody is complete because there's some areas where you might like it and somewhere you don't. But as a whole, would you say that you embrace change or you don't embrace change? Okay, for, first of all, how many would say, as a whole, I'm a type of person that likes change? Okay. 
How many would say, for the most part, I am not comfortable with change. I don't like change. Uh-oh. <laughs> I was kind of hoping for a 50-50 split, and uh, we didn't get it there. I have some very bad news for you then, because this sermon is going to be changed. Uh, I, I, you know, normally at this time in the sermon, you know, I would say, okay, now it is time. We're going to look at the text for today. So if you have it on your phone or device or anything like that, we're going to read the Bible now. We're going to do that at the end. Now, some of you are freaking out already. No, it can't be. That's not what we do at church. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to change it up a little bit, and we're going to take a look at it at the end. So hopefully you're not too uncomfortable. Hopefully you can stay with me. But I have one more weird thing. Those of you that follow along in the outline, I don't know how many people do that. I know my wife and Jeannie Kanabi. There's only two people who ever yell at me if I miss a point. Uh, but uh, we're going to actually start in the middle. And in the middle, you'll find this word in there, unchangeable. And we just want to announce at the beginning or get out there at the beginning that the one thing that is unchangeable is God. Okay, unchangeable is God alone because God is perfect. So there's nothing we can add to God to make him better. There's no knowledge that he can uh, receive. He already is completely perfect. So he cannot get any better. He cannot diminish in anything or he is no longer God. So our God is unchangeable. But since God alone is unchangeable, that tells us that, back to our first point, what is changeable is everything else. Okay? And just to think about that for a minute, our bodies, of course, are changeable. <laughs> Some of you are like, sadly, our bodies are changeable. Some of you are like, hey, there's hope uh, that, that it is changeable. I was in an uh, uh, elevator at the hospital the other day, and this thing said, uh, we go from, wait, wait, we go from dimples and baby fat to wrinkles and cataracts. That was, that's, that's the journey. And I thought, yeah, well, that's really encouraging. Uh, but our bodies obviously change. Our intellect changes. It, 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 sometimes that is expanding. Sadly, sometimes it is contracting. Our allegiances change. We think about the crowd in Jesus' day that early in the week they yell Hosanna, and at the end of the week they yell crucify him. But our allegiance uh, in the sports world, they always say the old thing is, what have you done for me lately? You know, people can radically change. i got to say, say this too. I just thought of this this morning. About this time, three years ago, I had a friend, uh, a high school buddy of mine, uh, came out. We played golf on Saturday, and he wanted to visit my church. He came into church that day, and all of you, spat, I mean, wonderful Cubs fans, uh, three years ago, you were in your glory. You remember that? And you had to, and everybody, it looked like half the church was wearing cub apparel. And he was like, what is with your church? <laughs> Am I at a baseball game or at a church? What, what, what's going on? But that was three years ago. Now the manager's moving on, and there's rumors about Chris Bryan. I'm sorry, some of you are going to go into depression. Uh, but, there, you know, there's all these different things, and the, the, the whole, you know, we're just so passionate. And, and then, but allegiance has changed. Tastes change. Uh, you know, just, uh, I like something one day, my poor wife, you know, sometimes I'll eat something and I'll be like, oh, this is so good. And, and lovingly, she says, oh, I'm going to get the recipe and make one of those. And she does. And uh, when she first makes it, I eat the whole thing to be polite. But then later on, I have to tell her, honey, I don't like that anymore <laughs> you know? because I don't want her to keep making it over and over again because my taste changed all the time. We are creatures uh, who change. Friendships change. They may mature. They may deteriorate but they are going to change one way or another now I wanted to focus on three things and again now where we're getting there we're crescendoing to our text say wait a minute I wanted to read the Bible we, we're going to we're getting there but I wanted to set this up a little bit by focusing on some of the things in our lives that are guaranteed to change because these things can bring us both uh, concern 
and comfort in each one of those things. The first of those that I want you to think about is that circumstances are going to change. Now, if you're somebody who likes, you know, cool little uh, sayings, you could write this down besides circumstances. All circumstances in life will change except for the circumstance of your forgiveness. Now, we'll kind of come around and talk about that, but that's kind of a cool idea. Everything is going to change circumstance-wise except for the circumstance of your forgiveness. Now, as I said, this brings both a concern and a comfort. Um, if we are in good times, maybe the, uh, the thing that we need to have is a little concern. <laughs> I don't mean to be negative, but the Bible does say that in this life we will have trouble. So if we're rolling along and things are going real well, Sorry, but there are going to be some dips. They're just coming. I hate to, to say that. I hate to be dep uh, depressing or, or bring you depression there and that. Uh, every once in a while when the, uh, well, actually every time the uh, economic picture in the country takes a little turn, I get a nice little email from my friendly little uh, Edward Jones representative, and he tells me, hey, don't worry, this happens. Uh, things go up and down, and he shows me the pattern of how things have gone up and down over the years. Now that, don't worry, things are going to change. Would we agree the weather has changed a little bit? Friday morning, I'm up, I'm taking the uh, uh, dog for a walk, nothing but a shirt. I'm sorry, pants and a shirt. <laughs> Just... As I said that, I thought, yeah, okay. Uh, but uh, Saturday morning I get up, it's multiple layers, hat and gloves, everything like that. The cold front came in. I'm blaming the arrival of my mother-in-law, but that's, uh, that's a totally different story. The, the, the cold wind blew in from the west. But uh, circumstances are going to change. Uh, sometimes we say, oh, no, that's for the bad, but sometimes we find great comfort in that because here I am and I'm stuck in this situation or I feel like I'm stuck, and the phrase comes, this too shall pass. How many have ever heard that phrase, this too shall pass? How many of you thought it was from the Bible? Okay, I always did, so don't be afraid. I, I did, I thought it was in the Bible, so I looked for it this week. It's not there. It's an old Phoenician saying, and it's a song from about 10 years ago by a group called OK Go, but, uh, but this too shall pass. Now, the Bible does teach that idea, though, that things come and they pass and they move away. It's just that little phrase in the, isn't there, but we can find comfort in the fact that circumstances change. How about possessions? <laughs> For sure, they are going to change, right? Some, a few, will increase in value. For the most part, they are going to decrease in value. And we know this is going to happen. So we find some comfort in that. We find some concern in that. Uh, there are some things that I once, once was my favorite, but I just don't like it anymore. You know, this is my favorite shirt. Value, make sure that baby's ironed every week, and, and now who cares? You know, it's just you know, put it put away or put it in the goodwill bucket there. So circumstances change, uh, except for the circumstance of our forgiveness. Possessions, we could say, change, except for the circumstance of our salvation, or I'm sorry, except for our salvation. And the third thing that changes, our relationships are going to change, except for our adoption in Christ. Some relationships mature, some deteriorate, deteriorate, but in all that, we know that people can change. And for the most part, that puts a smile on our face. I mean, we need to understand, though, I guess from the concern side, that people will change. We cannot count on anybody to be ultra-consistent. And this is one of the themes of our whole series of messages. We cannot count on anybody to be like God. When we do, it's actually idolatry. We lift them up, and this person has to be my rock. This person has to be my unchanging source. People will change somewhat, okay? 
we realize that that they are not going to stay consistent. Now, just a little kind of a uh, relationship tip that if I could throw this in here. Therefore, there's two words that we want to not use very often in relationships. Those words are always and never. Okay, like you never pick up after yourself. You never think of anybody but yourself. Uh, you always whatever and you fill in the blank that's with kids that's with parents that's with husband and wife that's with everybody those extreme words they're actually not accurate we realize that and they're not really like loving like they don't bring a feeling of warmth when we bring those in here so we understand that nobody <laughs> there's an extreme uh, fits into the idea of being always this or always that or perfectly that people will change but the exciting part that comes with that is people can change. And uh, so for, for me to say, hey, that's just the way I am, there's nothing I can do about it, uh, fits into the category of a lie or an untruth that I'm believing, that I'm telling myself, I can change. And we'll explain that a little bit more as we look to the one who is unchangeable. So as we move in that direction, I want to show you a few, few verses here. Just some things uh, God has to say in the book of Malachi, last book in the Old Testament there. For I am the Lord. For I, the Lord, rather, do not change. Okay? In the book of Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the same. When? Yesterday, today, and forever. Over in the book of James, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation. There is no shadow due to change. There is no turning there. Uh, not even the shadow, not even a little bit of turning. And then in the book of Psalms, we read, For who is God but the Lord, who is a rock except our God. And this is um, a direction, the direction, that I'd like us to really be pointed this morning is to the rock. Okay, I want you just to think about that idea when you think about the rock being that fixed individual in this case, being God, that one that will never move in our life, and who he is as this rock. 23 times in the book of Psalms, the word rock shows up. This past summer, um, our vacation was to go to the, uh, actually we were in Idaho, but we were in the Teton Mountains. I don't know if it's kind of right there between uh, Wyoming and Idaho, right on the border there, up, up pretty close to Yellowstone. And um, we, as we approached out there to the Tetons, um, we were coming from the northeast, which doesn't make any sense. Like, oh, yeah, I should tell you this real fast. You know how I like to drop names? I have one famous friend, remember? Former NBA star, Lafonso Ellis. He and I are close. Uh, but uh, that's, a, that's the only claim to fame. Now I have a second claim to fame. When we were in the Badlands this summer, listen to this one. The lead singer for Rascal Flatts' friend took our picture. Yeah. If you want, I'll sign an autograph later. The lead singer for Rascal Flatts, one of his friends, took our, oh, Rascal Flatts was there, by, or not, you know, the guy, whatever his name is. I forget what it is. Uh, but he was there, and, uh, and, and, and his friend took our picture. I know you guys are kind of in awe, aren't you? I have a, his picture on my phone if you want to see it later, because then I started, you know, just uh, once I figured out who it was. But, uh, the, but anyway, back to the story. We're coming from the northeast, uh, coming in there, and, and we get this view of this beautiful mountain range that, it, that we, we knew as the Tetons, and right in the middle of that is uh, this, 
I call it a crag, but it sticks up in the middle here. It's part, you know, rock and part snow, just a beautiful thing right in the middle. It's the beginning of August, but there's still snow up there. And I look at that, and I thought, oh, okay, we we have to be getting close because I know that you can see that mountain from the, the house that we're renting. Yeah, you know, I've seen that picture, so I know you can see that mountain. There, there it is. I thought we have to be getting close. I didn't, and looked at the GPS, and instead we were still three and a half hours away. Uh, but for the next three and a half hours, we came down to the base of that. We saw that. We went around by Jackson, uh, Jackson Hole, and then, and then we rode up around to the other side, up to the little town where our house was. Uh, the whole time using that rock as the focal point, okay, that peak. Okay, and for the next five days, we spent there, we took some trips uh, up to two hours, you know, one day we'd go and we'd travel and see different trails and different sites and do different things, but the whole time we were there in that area, that peak remained, some of you have been in a situation like this where you know that peak remained there as the center, as the focal point. That was always how we got our bearings is, hey, there it is, there's the Grand Teton right there. Okay, I know where I am now, I, ha I, have, a, I have a focus. Okay, that's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to look to the rock. I want us to get our focus on that which cannot change. Or I, I should have said that, the, the one, he who cannot change, I want us to see him. Because as we see him, as we focus on the rock, one of the first things that happens is that we will have then a sense of direction. Once I have that point that is fixed, you might remember as a little kid, I did, I don't, maybe I'm the only one who did this, but when I got a compass, my first compass, I went out and I was going to navigate. I, did, I thought it just told you which way to go, you know, so you just follow the arrow. <laughs> that doesn't work too well. Uh, I didn't understand that it was showing me north. It was showing me that fixed point that I have to have. And when I have my focus on the rock, I have that fixed point of reference. I have that compass. I have a moral compass for life. In a world where everybody seems to think that uh, right and wrong is totally determined by whatever the crowd thinks or whatever the individual thinks, I have a fixed point in my life. I have a moral compass on that. I have a God who is the one who gets to determine what's right and wrong. You know, as a pastor, one of the uh, questions that people love to ask me, I've shared this with you before, they just want to go right to it. Hey, do you think this is a sin? I don't know, I, you know, they're worried about something they're doing. Do you think this is a sin? Uh, or is this a sin? Can, can you tell me right, right away? And I need to, when somebody does that, I need to ask them a more important question to start with. And the question is this. In your mind, in your thinking, in your belief, are you willing to let God decide if it's right or wrong? Okay, now follow me on that. Okay, I mean, if, if not, you know, I, I don't know uh, what is the sense in me. <laughs> I was talking to a lady. Uh, she's actually one of the bus drivers uh, up here in town. She said to me one day, she came with a question. She said, hey, do you believe in angels? And I said, yes, for sure, I believe in angels. And she said, I thought so. I thought so. You, you know, she said, so, cause, so like my husband's an angel, right? And I said, well... <laughs> I, I said, I don't really think we become angels. I think that's a different being, you know, but, but there are angels. And she said, oh, well, you're wrong about that. And she walked away. <laughs> she, she was good with whatever I said as long as she agreed with it, so why ask anyway? But sometimes we're like that as far as right and wrong goes. Are you willing, first of all, to say, hey, if God says this is right, God has, and I might not understand why he says something is right or wrong. I might not agree with him saying something is right or wrong. Does God, do I allow God to be God? 
Does God have the right? Is God my rock? Is God my focal point? Is God that, that fixed absolute standard? Is he the one I can look to for direction? Secondly, I find in him a foundation. Jesus talked in Matthew chapter 7 about the wise man who builds his house on the rock. Because we know that the storm is going to come. The winds are going to come. The waves are going to come. Uh, the man who builds his house on the sand is the foolish man, but the one who builds his life, who, who sets his direction, who is fixed on the rock, uh, that is God, is the one that will stand. Um, recently, I've had you know, a few opportunities helping people that are in wheelchairs to try to get them into their wheelchair. And I've learned that they're not super trusting of me when I say, I'll hold it. I'll say, I'll hold it for you. And they'll say, no, put the locks on. As I, every time, apparently they've had a bad experience somewhere along the line where they got up, not with me, uh, but where they got up and, and the wheelchair moved when they, when they went to lean on it. They need something that is anchored, something that is firm, and that's the only way they're going to trust it. We have that. We have that foundation. We have the one that when the storms blow uh, is solid and is stable. So we look to the rock for direction, for foundation. Uh, bring out a big word here again. Let's go with the word sanctification. This is a word that just uh, talks about the process of us maturing in Christ, of us becoming like him. And we look to him, and this goes back to what I was talking about as far as a man can change. But um, that is possible because God gives us his spirit. The Bible says when we trust him uh, for forgiveness of sins, uh, he places his spirit. He gives us a new life. That is possible also because we have his truth in the, word of, in the word of God. There's a third thing that often gets neglected. That change is possible, that sanctification process of that growing and maturing in Christ. Uh, we get that, okay, yes, I have his spirit. Yes, I have the truth. And then I'm going to throw the third thing in here that not everybody likes that much. I'm going to say the third thing that God gives us is other people. Okay, now, wait a minute. No, we shouldn't need anything else. But see, that is part of God's plan. God talks about the fact that we are to love one another, bear each other's burdens, forgive each other, confess our sins to one another. We're supposed to do this thing together. Okay, so can I suggest to you, okay, if you are stuck, okay, here's something where I'm in this cycle. Of, I keep going back to the same thing. I'm just struggling with something as far as this goes. And I'm actually kind of come to the conclusion that on that, there is absolutely no I. No way I can change. If you are stuck, maybe the missing ingredient is help. Okay, in most of the programs that you have to help somebody change, whether it's change the way they eat or whether it's to break from an addiction, I shouldn't have said most. All of them have the idea of the group concept. Hey, let's get together and work together on this because that is an idea that that is something that God gives us. He says, I put my spirit inside you. You have my truth and you have other people and you can change. And can I plead with you? Can I, honestly, if you're sitting there saying, oh, yeah, but I, I don't can I plead with you? I know it's tough to take that first step to say to somebody, hey, I really need some help with this. But can I plead with you to do that? I wish I could take you on a journey through my life and show you decades where I just did the same thing over and over again and said, I'll beat this thing. And then finally, I got to the place where I realized I can't. I need some help. Uh, yeah. Got it? Okay. So in the rock, in the rock, we find direction, foundation, sanctification, and Ultimately, we find salvation, the rock of our salvation. 
And we know that our salvation, our eternal relationship with him, our eternal salvation, our rescue from the penalty of sin is found in him. There's no future sin that can erode that. Once he has named something righteous, there's nothing that can make it unrighteous. Once he uh, has written my name, the Bible talks about um, down in, in the book of life, once my name is written, there's no eraser that can take it away. Once he has redeemed, uh, there's no way I can improve upon his redemption. For the scripture says in Romans 8 that there, there is absolutely nothing, nothing that can separate me from the love of God. So I can trust in him as that rock for eternal salvation. Okay, you ready for the text? Hope nobody just walks in the door now. They'll be thinking, well, man, I thought I came when this was over. And he's just getting started. I want to read from Psalm chapter 42. And if you, if you do want to follow along, please, if you have a Bible, open up. If you want to find it on your phone or device, whatever, or if you just want to listen. But I want to take you through this cry from somebody's heart. It's not David that wrote this psalm. Last week we looked at one written by Moses. This one, it says, is written by one of the sons of Korah, who was actually, I guess, a worship leader. Uh, he was one of the ones that led in the worship at the temple. So, um, so he writes this, and he begins with these words, verse number one, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before him? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? He said, if I can back up there, I can't eat, I can't sleep, I am troubled. People are mocking me, saying, where is your God? I was thinking, uh, Lauren Daigle has a song where she cries out, where are you now? And I think that this is the prayer of this man's heart. He's, he says, where, where are you, God? I, I don't get it. And, uh, and we'll see something you know, throughout this story, I'm sorry, throughout this psalm, where he's going back and forth. In one sentence, he'll do what he just did. He'll say, hey, I'm empty, I'm struggling, I need your help, God. And then he says something like this, verse number four. These things I remember when I pour out my soul. Here's what I remember, how I would go with a throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise and a multitude-keeping festival. See what he said? He said, okay, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm like, I'm empty. I'm like a deer panting after water. I got nothing here. And then I take a minute and I remember, I remember the, the time we were marching up to the temple and we were just praising you. And I, I, I got thinking about that. I got focused on you again. I, I started turning my attention to the rock in that way. Verse number five, why are you cast down, O my soul? Okay, here he goes back again. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? And then he goes, hope in God. For I shall praise him, my salvation, and my God. You got it? Down, I'm struggling. I look to God. Uh, I mean, uh, why am I so down? Why am I depressed? I don't get it. I don't don't think I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be a happy Christian all, all the time. Why am I like this? And I stop and I look to God. 
I'm, I'm halfway, th or I'm verse number six, I think, or I just started that. And my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember from the land of Jordan and out of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. He said, I go back and I remember what took place when we were worshiping you there. My soul was cast down, so I remember that time there when I, when I was close to you. I remember that. Uh, one of the songs we sang this morning said, hey, basically, I, I can't go on. I, I need you. I need you close, close to me. And I was thinking about that's the, that's the prayer of the psalmist here. He's saying, God, I need you. I need to look to you. Verse number seven, deep calls to deep, which is basically saying the bad gets worse. Uh, and at the roar of the waterfalls, he says, all this is going on. All your breakers and your waves have gone before me. By, by the Lord, but the Lord command, I'm sorry, by day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is within me, a prayer to the God in my life. I say to God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Do you see what he's doing there? Do you, do you see, I mean, this is this brutal honesty of this man that says, why am I depressed? I mean, we could never say that at church. Hey, how you doing today? You know, struggling with depression. <laughs> well, sit over there. Uh, we're just happy here because uh, we all have our life perfectly to get together. But this guy's just brutally honest, and he, and he says, man, I'm really, I, I, I don't even get it. But here's what I do. I look back to God. I look to the rock. My, my voice turns into praise, and I begin uh, once again, to lift up his name and exalt him. You know, I hope that when you come and we gather and Jeremy or, or if somebody else, David, or somebody stands up here and leads worship, I hope, I, I really hope that's not just going through the motions. I hope we can do that. I hope we can look to him because that, that's what we need to do here. We need to lift up our eyes to the rock. Somebody said this, spiritual dryness tells us that we have put our trust in the wrong thing. And when we are spiritually dry, when we are struggling like that, what is the answer? Well, the answer is to look back to the rock. Now, we have a cool, uh, exciting, I think, opportunity of something we're going to do this morning. Um, since the time of Jesus, the church has, has practiced this. Uh, nothing weird about it at all, but uh, some churches call it communion, or the, some call it the Holy Eucharist, or some call it uh, the Lord's Supper. But uh, basically, when Jesus was here, he said, he said, I want you to do this. When you do this, I want you to remember me. I want you to look to me. I want you to remember because I want you to remember that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that I laid down my life for you. I want you to focus on that. So we have a cool opportunity to do that. We're going we're gonna to observe the Lord's Supper here in just a moment. I wanted to explain uh, how we're going to do this. We're going to we're going to, the song that's going to play, and the song that's going to play is Rock of Ages. So you might just want to sit there and kind of meditate on that song a little bit. Just think about that. Just think about the Rock of Ages. Maybe you'd rather not participate in communion this morning for whatever reason. That is perfectly fine. Please don't feel awkward about that at all. Whether it's because, you, you know, you're just not sure you want to, or, or you, maybe you're visiting, and it's like, ah, but don't worry. This is totally an optional thing. It is totally open. The Bible uh, says those who have believed in Jesus Christ, those who are trusting in him. And if your faith and trust is in Jesus Christ, the elements that we take are, you know, simply, actually, this week, I got oyster crackers. It'd be pretty exciting. 
Uh, but we use a, a piece of bread or a, a loaf or something to represent his body. And that's what we remember is that God took on human flesh so that he could bear in that flesh the price for our sin. Okay? He said, this is my body which is torn for you. So that's what we're remembering when we take, when we take the wafer. And then also uh, we take a cup. And uh, the juice that's in there or the wine that, that Jesus had in there, it's warm enough in here, it might be wine by now, I don't know. Uh, but it started off, I think it's just grape juice. But when you take that, uh, what we're, we're saying, is that is the blood that he shed. The life of the flesh, the scripture says, is in the blood. He's saying, I laid down my life for you. Remember that. So as we talked about the idea of, hey, what do I need to do? How, how, how can I focus on this rock? How can we lift up Jesus in the middle of this place today? And, and no, 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 not in this place today. How can we lift him up so that when you go out of here, our eyes can still stay focused on him? How can we do that? How can we do that? This is a great opportunity to, to really get the ball rolling here. Let's look to the rock. The rock who actually came and laid down his life for us. And again, please feel no pressure to participate, but if you'd like to participate, when the music starts, some will get up and they'll come up and they'll pick up. They can come from this side and this side, and then there's a table back there that you can go to both sides, and you can pick up a wafer and a cup of juice uh, from each side. And then when everybody has been served, everybody's back at their seats with the, with the elements, we will go ahead and, uh, and uh, I'll, uh, we'll all take them together, okay? Does that make decent sense? Father, uh, help us to go to the rock. Uh, help us to, I know, Lord, weird little phrase. What does that mean? But hopefully we know what it means now. Help us to, to really uh, lift up our eyes to you, to focus on you, uh, to see you as our only hope for salvation, our only hope for change, our, our hope for uh, stability in life, our hope for direction on the right path in life. Uh, can you direct our thinking towards you this day, Lord? Please, will your spirit powerfully do that? Father, I thank you for the, what these elements represent. But again, my, my, English, my words that I have are inadequate to say thank you that the God of the universe loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son and said that if we'll believe in him, we will not perish, but we'll have eternal life. Lord, Shape us now and use this time as we follow your command and do this in remembrance of you, I pray in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.